Good afternoon, everyone. I hope your day is going well. And we are going to discuss in our 1 Corinthians study today, chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. This is the passage we took a look at last Wednesday, which was December 1st. And um, so if you'd like to read that passage of scripture, uh, that would be a a good thing to do. And I'll give you a little bit of time to do that. Um, Before I take that break here just for a second, just wanted to let you know um, we've had a little bit of a break between these summaries and we might have even missed one in there. (laughs) It's all kind of a blur to me a little bit. We had a break for Thanksgiving, but before that um, I I ended up getting getting COVID. So I missed a Wednesday night there as well. So we went through a pretty extended break of Wednesday nights without jumping back into the First Corinthians study. Um, so that's why we are wrapping up chapter 6 at this time. Um, again, chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. If you want to take the time to read through that, I'll give you a second here if you want to push pause, and then we'll get back with it here in just a little bit. Okay, I hope you're back, and um, as we dive into this from this point on, uh, we're going to be looking and talking about um, basically sexual immorality and the danger of that. Now, to keep a few things in mind before we jump into the middle of this, um, we need to understand and keep going in our minds the fact that uh, this is a young church. It's in a church that's in a cultural setting that this area of life, I'm sure, was quite difficult for them to to adjust to. Remember, Corinth was the center of worship for the Greek goddess Aphrodite, and that worship would involve um, a number of things, um, feasting as well as, as sexual immorality. There were prostitutes employed by the temple, both male and female prostitutes, um, it would be a situation that would most definitely make us blush. And that is the background, what these young Christians came out of. So I'm sure that this was a struggle for them um, to make this big adjustment in life to um, to a, a life of sexual purity. So Anyway, those are some things to keep in mind, as well as remembering that that Corinth, the people of Corinth, and the people, some of the people within the church had a real pride issue. So that also fed into this discussion about sexual immorality. Remember, Paul has probably received word of some things going on within the church that needed to be addressed. Um, as you see in verse 12 there, through the remainder of this chapter, you'll see a phrase there that um, that was quite common of the day, and it was common among the Gnostics, and this, this, all things are lawful for me. Now, to, to understand, uh, probably the main heresy that was battled by the apostles in the early church in the first century was the heresy, um, the, heret- the heretical teaching of Gnosticism, which put a big separation between physical life and spiritual life. They went on the extreme to such the point of saying that Jesus was not man. He was just completely spiritual. He was not physical at all, which would eliminate the resurrection and his death if, if he was not a physical being. So this went right at the core of the gospel and something that was battled by very specifically by the Apostle John, but also the Apostle Peter. And, and you can see um, Paul even leaning into it here just a little bit. So what they wanted to do is, is um, the more liberal-minded of those amongst the Gnostics went about it in this way. They said, 
We as followers of Jesus, as Christians, are spiritual beings. Therefore, it does not matter with what, what we do with our bodies. We can do anything we want. We can eat anything we want. We can satisfy any desire that our body has without any repercussions whatsoever because that's all physical and it's down here. Well, we're way up here as spiritual beings. Um, this obviously <laughs> flies in the face, as, as Paul will show, in, in the ethical teaching of the church. Now, the other side of that, and this is they aren't addressed in this particular passage, but you also had the ascetics who, those who took Gnosticism to this point, everything physical was bad, therefore we will avoid all of it um, and, and almost become um, like hermits or monks, if you will, and separate themselves from the world, which also is not biblical. So um, Paul is throwing this phrase out there and, um, and then qualifying that phrase with this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. And more specifically, then Paul says, I all things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And that brings a very practical point to us when it comes to our desires or even our habits um, or our appetites. We need to come to an honest understanding of Am I in charge of my habit or my practice or my appetite, or is it in charge of me? Is it controlling me? Because we are not to be controlled by our appetites as followers of Jesus. We are to be controlled by Christ. So as we continue on through this, um, Paul jumps in this mindset into, he talks about food, he talks about that sort of thing for a little bit, but more specifically what he's going to tackle is the subject of sexual immorality. Now understand, um, immorality is um, our English word taken from the Greek word pornea, and it basically means sexual practice outside of the bounds of marriage. So, uh, keeping that in mind, he he makes it pretty clear in these few verses that the appetite, the sexual appetite, which is a gift from God, um, and it is a blessing when it's in the right context. Um, he makes it he makes it very very clear that sex is on a different footing from many of our other appetites, specifically um, food appetite. We'll, we'll talk about that more here in just a little bit. Um, both of these appetites, um, they are blessings from God, but when um, they are not, what's the word I'm thinking of? When they are not in, indulged, that's probably not the right word, but when, when those appetites are not fulfilled in a proper moral way, the consequences are not equal. The consequences for sexual immorality are different than the consequences for, um, say, gluttony when it comes to food. A little bit more about that here in just a little bit. Um, in verse 14, um, Paul makes it really, really clear. Now, this is just touching on something like Paul regularly does, and then later diving into it more deeply. Um, there are those within the church of Corinth who 1 Corinthians 15 makes it pretty clear to us, did not believe that there will be a physical resurrection one day. And Paul corrects that thought process or that belief in 1 Corinthians 15. But he makes it clear here that we are destined for something greater. God who raised Jesus will also raise us. Our destiny is amazing. Therefore, we should absolutely not um, use our, our, our bodies uh, in an in a unhealthy, um, spiritually and physically, in an unhealthy way. Our, what our bodies are destined for in the resurrection should affect how we treat them today. 
Um, continuing on just a little bit, um, Paul has, uh, he kind of has an application here in verse 16. I'm going to read that for you. It says this, Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute, remember, that's how they would worship Aphrodite, is by having sex with a prostitute, joins himself to a prostitute, is one body with her. For he says, the two will become one flesh. That is a direct quote from Genesis 2.24, talking about the marriage arrangement, the marriage union, how the marriage is consecrated by a sexual act that takes two and makes them become one. And Paul here applies that uniting, that spiritual uniting. He applies it not to the marriage bed, as it should be. He applies it to an act of casual sex. In other words, what he's saying is every sexual encounter results in another union. And this is very biblical, absolutely. But this was unheard of by the first century people that are listening to him or the Greco-Roman culture. They would not, they would not in any way buy into what Paul is saying, this truth that Paul is saying. You see, it was a very, very sexually deviant culture. In other words, it was quite common for men to have not only their wife, but many mistresses and to visit places where prostitutes would be. And we would think of that probably as a little different than them because, like I said, for them in that Greco-Roman culture, that is how one of the ways in which they worshiped the gods. So don't, I mean, as, as outrageous as that would be in our culture saying, hey, every, every time you have sex with someone, there is a spiritual union that you cannot erase the bonds of that union. You tell that to people in the world this day, they will laugh at you. Same in this culture and in that day. But it was truth then and it is truth now. And Paul goes on to say, we have been joined to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are one spirit with Christ. Why in the world would we take that union and put it into a union of sexual immorality? And then verse 18, he says, flee immorality. The best biblical example we have of that is Joseph of the Old Testament who fled from the house when Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him. A very, I mean, Goodness gracious, take this literally. We as followers of Jesus should flee immorality. And he goes on to say that most sins that people commit are outside the body, but one who in verse, you can see it right here in verse 18, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Now, here's where I told you there's a difference earlier between, say, gluttony or drunkenness, appetites that have gotten out of control, and sexual immorality. The former, whether it be drunkenness or gluttony or something of that, that likeness, that can be corrected by appropriate moderation or abstinence, okay? But according to Scripture, sexual immorality, the union that is created by that, cannot be undone. That is something that we need to hear in our culture again and again and again. Now, God is a God of forgiveness, of new beginnings. That is something to remember, a God of grace. 
But there are some consequences of past sin that simply cannot be undone, even by being forgiven. So that's something we definitely need to remember. Verse 19, he goes on to say how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we have not been bought. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. And we know the price of that purchase was the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we should take the example and the advice, the, the command of Paul saying, glorify God with your body. We need to glorify God with our bodies. So, um, boy, that really gets down into the meat of of some of what was going on in Corinth. Um, I would say it gets to the meat of some of what's going on in our culture as well, where um, casual sexual encounter is something that has become all too common. Um, And we are not, we are to be above that as believers. Sex is a gift from God, absolutely, but it is to be only, only, that appetite is only to be satisfied within the bounds of marriage. So, speaking of marriage, that's the topic we'll be taking a look at um, tomorrow in chapter 7. We get pretty significant passage of scripture here um, about marriage and about um, everything that has to do with marriage, or for those who choose to not be married. Um, so, we will take a look at that. I don't know exactly how many verses we'll cover in chapter 7 tomorrow. Um, it's a big chunk, and it's kind of broken down in, in subcategories, but um, we'll, we'll dive into that. But if you'd like to to get into a study a little bit before tomorrow night, um, just look at the whole of chapter 7, and um, and we'll take a look at that tomorrow night. I hope the rest of your day goes well, and we hope to see you tomorrow evening. Thanks for joining us.